Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He went on the run for 10 days, and I don't still to this day will never know where he went. And I was losing my mind as anybody would. Um, I was newborn. I'm like, where are you? What's going on? He called me three times from these burner phones. And he would say, well, you have 60 seconds to talk. And he he was trying to tell me what to do. Like, I need for you to go to the safety security box. I need for you to do this. And the, and the whole time I'm like, where are you? When are you coming home? What the hell is going on? The feds came, like, what's happening? What is going on? That was, that was our first fight. You're listening to Divorce Party with Monica Casey and Tom Arnold. Our guest today is Krista Lamas. She's a mother, a business owner, and she has one of the craziest divorce slash post-divorce stories you've ever heard. Hello. Hey, Tom. Thank you for doing this. Of course. You know, I can't believe I'm doing this, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'm not I'm not one to talk about this, but I feel like I feel like it's time. So I've known Krista for over 10 years or 10 or about like yeah, 10 years. A little years. over 10 years, I would say. Yeah. Because Alice was about one one and a half. And it was when I birthed we bought the first house and hired Jeff and then immediately he was like you need to meet Monica she's going through this too yeah so we were both clients of Jeff's at the same time yeah <laughs> were your clients on tv did he did he do your houses on tv is that how and how does that come about how does he how do you get to be on his show well, I, my, I emailed him I don't know I emailed him and just uh said you know we need a full renovation. And luckily they were, you know, obviously maybe not too busy and they were able to come take a look and, you know, decided to do it. Obviously had like a glass of wine to like convince them, but they basically just say, do you want to do the show? And there's no discounts. There's no, no. no perks really. No, 
I was a little different for me because we were living in La Jolla at the time. And I uh, was interviewing different home interior designers and I was already on my third person and I was watching Jeff's show, but not the flipping out one, the other one where he would move people in quickly, like in a week. Was that interior therapy? I think it was interior therapy. And uh, I, I kept referencing him to these to these different designers like, well, have you heard of Jeff Lewis? Because he can get you in really quickly because they were estimating a time of like six months to move in. And I was like, that's crazy. Jeff Lewis can get people in in like a week. And then the last girl was like, if you like him so much, why don't you hire him? And I was like, that never crossed my mind that I could actually do that. And then I went online and I talked to my then husband and he was like, yeah, why haven't you done that? Just say there's no budget. And I was like, okay. And yeah. a, week, a week later, they were in La Jolla. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not that hard to hire him. <laughs> So what year was this? This was back in 2013, 14. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years and you ago. Were, go ahead. And you were uh, married then. Now, now, here's why I, you know, I chatted with you at. Uh, yes, at least. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, stuff. I've been a part of some of my divorces have been uh, out there. But but hearing your having what Lee said to me first, and sitting talking to you, I just blown away of how cinematic <laughs> your 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 life, your story yeah, is. It is. And it I, is like a movie. It's a movie that I want to get out of, <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> but is, I can't, can't seem to see the light. I'm still going through it, which is crazy. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I know I ran into you at Leah's. I talked your ear off and um, yeah, and, and and I know Monica had mentioned the podcast earlier in the summer and I spoke to Monica about it. I was like, you know, I don't, I never want to bash the father of my child or anything like that. And, and I never want to have something out there that she might see one day that might upset her. But at the same time, it is what it is, what she's going to see it on the Internet anyway someday and i'm gonna have to explain it that either way yeah, um, so regardless if i say it now to you guys or in a couple of years when she figures out how to google him <laughs> then um you know it is what it is and it is it's all it's all on the internet and it's something that i wish i could um erase but it's part of my 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 life and it's been you know a big part of who i've become and uh, it was a crazy, crazy journey to get here for sure. Like the, the divorce was insane. And we know that you guys both have been through it and I'm happy to hear that Monica, you're on the other side of it and happily co-parenting and Tom, I know you're still, you're still going through it, right? It'll, it'll be forever. It's perpetual. Right. Uh, you know, he's divorced, but he's going through the custody things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The ex parte. Uh, just a lot of that nonsense. But I think to you, to your point, it's better that your daughter hears from you because one day what her friends will or parents of her friends or, you know, and it, it that would be shocking yes. to have a friend or whatever say, hey, look at this. Yeah. Uh, better to, uh, you know, get the facts uh, from yeah. mom, and, uh, you yeah. know, to jump. It's not like you uh, you could go rewrite history. So yeah. I think that's the best way to do it, you know, yeah. uh, your daughter's dad. Yeah, and I have uh, in in the garage, I have all, you know, when you're finished with your, well, once you're finished with your divorce, your attorneys ask you to come pick up your boxes. 
and I had 12 boxes. So I have all 12 boxes still in the garage in, in the, the storage. And I kind of, I've already kind of put together aside any paperwork, any, like if she has questions and wants proof evidence, that kind of thing, like I can at least show it to her. I don't want her to think, cause I, I, I can already tell you that um, I've been in probate now for seven years with his parents so my my husband passed away or we were divorced and then he passed away can you explain what probate is to anyone listening that doesn't understand yeah, probate is a place where you don't want to ever be it's where you go when when there's no there wasn't a will and somebody passes and it's people believe it's up for debate as to who the next line of succession should be or who's entitled to whatever assets he may have had. And in our case, it's our daughter. We were divorced legally for only not even a year. And then he died. Um, we were still just like you, Tom, in the family court system, though, even after the divorce, because I got 100% custody. Um, he was only allowed supervised visits, which he decided not to take. He decided to go a different route, which was basically have me followed every single day in hopes that I um, would mess up. Yeah, he was really hoping he could find or catch me doing something and use that in court as opposed to doing the rehab and the one year of good standing with a therapist that was required for him to do in order for him to come for a change of custody. And that's what he continued to do up until he died. And so I was being followed. He tried to frame me with drugs in the car. I It got to the point where I used to have to hire a PI to follow me, to let me know if I was being followed, if I just needed to go home, not worth the risk. Cause I didn't, I never wanted to put myself in a situation where I would ruin my perfect standing in the court, which was, you know, she, as far as the court side is concerned, like in, in my opinion, like I like I was doing everything right. I did everything that was asked of me. Truth uh, be told, if your ex-husband had done these things with the rehab, with the year, he, he might be alive. So uh, right. let's go mm -hmm. back for a second and uh, tell me, uh, I, I, I obviously know from the internet, but go yeah. ahead and tell us how he died. Yeah. So right about... God, Alice was only about four months old. It was September, 2012. We used to joke around, this is when we were happily married. Uh, we used to joke around about what our first fight would be about. And uh, in September of 2012, the feds came to my our apartment and they were looking for him. And no, I, I was brand new mom. I was 24 years old. No, I, I'm from a small town in Texas, not used to this kind of stuff. And I was very, very thrown off by it all. And they were looking for him. And I was like, he's at work. And they were like, no, he's not at work. We just left his office. And I was like, all right, let me call him. So I tried calling him, phone's off. And I'm talking to, the, there's like three officers there. And um, I was like, well, it's weird. His phone is off. And then I was like, where is he? And then they're like, that's what we're asking you. And I'm like, well, I don't know where he is. If he's not at work, then I don't know where he is. And and then I started asking them more questions. And this this is kind of silly, but just it just shows how young and dumb I was. They were like, he today he was indicted for uh, 32 counts of wire fraud and mail fraud and and I and I didn't know what they were talking about, and I didn't know what the word indictment meant. And the first thing out of my mouth was, 
he's white. He's he's from North Nor NorCal. Like I thought they were meant deportation. And like, I was <laughs> so dumb at the time. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, he's not from a different country. Like he's a citizen. Yeah. And they're like, what? And then I started asking them so many questions about what this indictment was. Then I was like, well, this, that's terrible. <laughs> well, they're telling me this stuff. I'm like, what did he do? Like, apparently he had this whole criminal past that he had, had accomplished by the time he was like 19, whether it's, whether he did it or not, he never, ever spoke to me about it. And that was the, that was the nail in the coffin for our marriage was that I was never allowed to ask about the indictment. Mm -hmm. And he would always, if I tried to bring it up, he would leave. He would actually physically leave and not come home. And mm -hmm. then he would come back and he's like, if you bring it up again, I'm going to leave again. So it became this like where I was having to be quiet all the time. Eggshells. And, and yeah. that's like a punishment. Like I'm going to punish you. Yes. I was not allowed to ask him about the indictment. And it wasn't until we went to his arraignment in Sacramento when I'm sitting in there and I'm seeing these men in shackles and orange. I'm like, this is insane. I can't believe I'm here. And, and I see him up there and I hear the district attorney say that they have enough evidence to put him away to go to the moon and back. And I'm like, I thought you didn't do anything. <laughs> and this but, was all before you had started dating him. He, he did all this before I knew him. Wow. All this before I knew him. Yeah. Yes, that he was not telling you to protect you. Yes. Like, I'm sure those feds could figure out like this bitch doesn't know anything. Oh, I was, I, I talked, I, I think they wanted to leave the the house because I was asking so many questions about it. Like I wanted to know what this meant, how, I'm like, how could he have done this? I've been with him every day, you know, like I just kind of, uh, and then, and then he, Michael went on the run. His name was Michael Lamas and he went on the run for 10 days. And I don't still to this day, we'll never know where he went. Um, and he came home on the run after they showed up at your apartment, but he never came back. Oh my when, God. Yeah. He never came home and I was losing my mind as anybody would. Yep. Um, I was newborn. I'm like, where are you? What's going on? Um, and he would call, he called me three times from these burner phones and he would say, well, you have 60 seconds to talk. And he, kept, he was trying to tell me what to do. Like, I need for you to go to the safety security box. I need for you to do this. And, that. and the whole time I'm like, where are you? When are you coming home? What the hell is going on? The feds came. Like, what's happening? What is going on? And that was, that was our first fight, which is crazy. And then, um, and then when he came home, he was a different person. So I feel like while he was gone, he had some sort of psychological breakdown or something happened because everything about him changed. His demeanor changed, his voice changed, the way he walked, the way he treated me was all of a sudden now a different person. And I don't know, sometimes when I was in therapy, my therapist would say, Maybe it's because the skeletons were out of the closet so he could finally be himself. Yeah. Or what he told me and they are, when we went to couples therapy after all this, because of course I was wanting to go to therapy. Um, uh, he, he flat out told the, the therapist that he lost respect for me that day because I didn't, I Wait. wasn't being supportive of him 
when he was trying to tell me what to go do, I was more concerned about where he, where he was and what was going on. He's like, I had 60 seconds to talk and you, and I was like, look, I'm a ride or die type of wife. You know, if you'd given me a heads up and maybe been like code word or like this was going to happen, maybe yeah. I've been more complacent. Yeah. Like, here's where the passports and the money are. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. like, give me a heads up. You can't just keep, like, keep me in the dark and then expect me to know what to do or how to react when something like this happens. And, you know, in the mob, uh, they would tell you, here's the thing. You're out of, I don't want to talk about business with you. And then you want to talk to the other wives. We don't talk about business, but when the shit hits the fan and it will hit the fan, here you do A, B, C, D, E. How many, how many yeah. years were you guys together before the raid from the, the indictment. indictment. Uh, we were dating for about 11 months and quickly lived, started living together maybe six months in. And then we got married in Vegas, like um, a drunk married, married in Vegas type of thing. Cause one of his business partners was in Vegas and and I don't know, we just decided to do, I was, I had been pre previously engaged. So I kind of knew the wedding process and I did not want to go through that again. Yeah. <laughs> so so and how did you meet him? Like, did you meet him under? We met at a rave, which is so crazy. <laughs> We're so young. That's funny. And yeah. we met at a Skrillex show. He bumped into me, dropped my drink. And I was like, hey, like you dropped my drink. And he's like, I'll buy you another one. And then the rest is history. We were together all night and every day after that. It was kind of looking back on it, you know, it was all the the red flags were definitely there, the love bombing, the stuff that I now know. But um at the time, of course, I was so young and naive. When you first were going through this first week, sorry about when the feds came and all that, did you have anyone to turn to or were you too scared to talk to anyone like your family or my best friend Katie at the time uh she's still one of my best friends but she still lives in San Diego um I told her because I, I needed to tell someone and I did tell my my parents what was going on and um yeah, it was also all over the news. It was it was oh, it was wow. all over the news when he got indicted. So um and you lived in La Jolla at the time, right? Which in I La Jolla think was a small town. Yeah, and he was um I don't think I, I I don't think I can say he is the creator or inventor of CBG, but he is like the pioneer of, of it all. And I remember when CBD was still called cannabidiol and then he liked the, the term cbd because it rolled off the tongue better and i remember him getting the patents and all that and so i remember us going from nothing to everything in the span of two years meaning like living in a small apartment that was like two thousand a month to then being able to buy a four million to almost four million dollar house in cash that's how fast our lives changed and so a part of me never really understood and I guess I'll never know if it was because of the money or if he was just always like this you know if he was always kind of this person because the person that I married and the person I was dating it was like I thought I thought I was living in a fairy tale yeah but I know in you know substance abuse does not help and no. like I'm sure his paranoia is why he was hiring private investigators to follow you, like all mm -hmm. of those. 
Oh yeah. And after the indictment, it, it became really crazy because he thought, he thought our house was tapped. Was he thought our, everybody was listening to us on our phones. He thought that there were people watching us everywhere we went. It became a very, uh, and, and that's why the, the drinking became a problem because he had never had issues before with the drinking or anything like that. We'd always have fun, go out, get drunk, have great, great time. And then all of a sudden after the indictment, it was every time he drank, he became this person that hated me, hated me, zero respect for me. I mean, it got so, it started with the verbal abuse and then it became physical on three occasions, the third time being the worst. And I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I, I think it, it's important for me to talk about it. But um, the third time being the worst where I almost, I almost died and, and it happened in front of Alice and she was two at the time. So um, I, I called the police, they arrested him and he was out on bond from his indictment. So he was not supposed to be getting in any trouble. He had it convinced in his head that I did that on purpose to try to get him in jail sooner. Mm -hmm. What all I was thinking was, I woke up from being unconscious from what he did in my daughter's room. I grabbed her and I and I took the phone off the phone charger in my bedroom, locked us in the bathroom and I called 911. They stayed on the phone with me until they arrived and they said all my doors in the house were open, the front doors, the back doors. So the he made it look like he was run he'd left on foot like mm -hmm. and so they had I don't know how many patrol cars in La Jolla looking for him. And La Jolla is small. Yeah. And this is happening around four or five in the morning. And it is so embarrassing. I have so many cop cars in front of my house. Everybody is searching for him. And I, and they're keeping me and Alice in my bedroom while they're taking pictures of me and, and interviewing me. And they even tried to talk to Alice, which was, you know, she was only two. Oh, sad. Uh, yeah. And, um, and there are, they ended up finding him in our attic. So he, he made it look like he went on the run somewhere, right. opening all the doors. Yeah. And then they found him hiding in the attic. How did they do that? Did they go? Were they searching? They were searching, I guess, the whole house. And that's where they found him. But it took a, a long time. It took a long I was in my bedroom for what felt like hours before they finally were like, it's safe. I feel like this is a Netflix doc that I would spend my whole weekend yeah. like on the couch, hugging a pillow, watching. I, I mean, and when it's happening to you, it's you're in so much denial. You're like, this isn't happening to me. I'm not in a in an abusive marriage. How can I be in this? Like, I was right. raised better than to be in a position like this. But when it's happening to you, it's so fast and it's so... It, you really don't have the time to um, to think logically, I think. And I think um, what, what ended up happening was the best thing for me. The police ended up arresting him and they were regardless. And I said, no, please don't press charges. He's going to kill me. Like he's out on probate. I mean, out on bond. He can't be getting in trouble. Like he's going to kill me. And they're like, well, what do you think is going to happen there? We can just, we can hold him for like 48 hours, but then he's going to come back home. And what do you think he's going to do to you? And I was like, he's going to kill me. And so they're like, I think it's, you know, they were, they asked me to get a uh, restraining order 
which it was a Saturday that this happened. So I had to find a, an attorney available. I called so many places. I was so disheveled and, and just such a mess. And I was like, I had 24 hours or 48 hours. I can't remember to somehow get a restraining order in place so that he couldn't come back home. But by the time he got out of jail and then, um, the state of California ended up pressing charges on him one for, um, assault with a deadly weapon and they put his hands and then the second was for it being in front of a, a, a child and then cps got involved oh. and i remember uh i was at work this is when i used to own my hair salons and they um they called my nanny called me and said that the cps was looking for me i rushed home because i i knew like that's right. serious you got it you i'm not gonna so be like oh i'm busy um rushed home and probably the worst thing in the world ever happened they made me strip down Alice and they looked inside her and it was like the worst thing ever as a mom and I think that's when I realized I need to get a divorce or I need to get out and then um they told me that they were going to make this like kind of a routine of checking in on her. And I was like, well, what can I do to stop this? Like, I, I, is there anything I can do to make sure that this is not a part of her childhood? I don't want this to be a thing I have to go through again. And they said, well, you can sign a safety plan. I was like, I'll do it. I didn't even know what that was. I just said, I'll do it. I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was signing away basically everything. I, I signed a safety plan with CPS and a safety plan is something that they put in place that if you break it, you lose custody of your child. And in the safety plan, it says, I'm going to keep the restraining order. I'm not going to speak to him. I'm not going to allow him near us. I'm going to file for divorce. I'm going to like, it's all these things that I had to do and I had to do it. And so I kept you trying wish in that moment that you had a lawyer present. Like, is that something you would recommend for so others? So you understood what was going on. Yeah, I understood what was going on. And I didn't care anymore about our relationship or marriage. I cared yeah. about making sure that this never happened again to yeah. a kid. Yeah. So if that I, I said I'll do whatever you want me to do because they said they even gave me a, a statistic they were like we will stop coming if you sign the safety plan because and I can't remember and I don't want to say the wrong thing but it was a really high number like 90 something percent of women stay with their abuser mm -hmm. and um and I was like well I won't I won't like I'll, I will do this like I will sign this and I and that's what I had to do and and they say like you have to go through something so bad sometimes for it to end and i think that that's like how bad it had to get for me to well it's their, it's their job to protect the child and they've certainly been in uh, uh many situations where they have a sense of okay this is the mother seems traumatized we we you know we have to do our job uh so i i i feel like that that was obviously to protect you and to also encourage you to you got to step up and do the right thing it's hard yeah. a lot of women we've talked to a bunch of women it, that's it's such a shit place to be put in where mm -hmm. is up to you know uh, criminal activity or whatever and it becomes abusive and you got a little baby there i do want a timeline so you guys meet at the rave you guys just hit it off crazy good 
uh, you move in together. Uh, how long after that, and you get married, mm -hmm. How long after that did the, was the baby on the way then, or what was? The yeah, the baby was. We would just found out that we were pregnant, and that I think that that was a huge catalyst into to uh, getting married because my family is very very conservative and religious, and they actually like did not want to even speak to me um, when I told them that. Actually, I didn't even tell them I was pregnant. He was so excited. He posted it on Facebook and that's how everyone found out I was yeah. pregnant. And uh, I was, uh, he, yeah, I was like, wow, okay. We're we telling everybody. That. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, we went to Vegas and it's, and, and got married, but we still had like kind of a wild night. I think, I think we were just so young and I didn't really understand and I wasn't mature enough to understand what was going on. So I kind of didn't take care of my body at the beginning, the way that I should have, or that I would now uh, yeah. in hindsight. And we were just young and wild. But the good, the good news that, that uh, came out of this uh, horrible situation is your daughter. I mean, that's yeah. solid. That's the victory, although it's all been on you. Yeah. But how, how was his family? When they found out you guys were, had, had they treated you well up till then? Are they really encouraging? Were they supportive? Yeah, were they ever fans so, of you? <laughs> oddly enough, he, he never really wanted me to have any. He always acted like he was not close with his family. And and so I met them for the first time when I was already almost like nine months pregnant. And Wow. Pretty um, John. Yeah. And, and had they knew his sort of secrets. Did they know that he was in trouble before and all of that? I mean, they had to have known, they had to have known what was, what everything that took place before him and I meeting. So what happened when he apparently allegedly, because I'll never know the truth. Um, allegedly when this stuff happened for his indictment, he moved to San Diego and I just so happened to be the first person he meets when he moves to San Diego when, cause all this took place in San Francisco, the, the indictment stuff, the, the stuff he was being indicted for. Um, and he was very young. He was 19 when all, and I think the statute of limitations was up and a bunch of other guys were involved and it was, I guess, a Ponzi scheme and they named him as one of the guys and um i had no idea and i i'm from a place you know my dad's from mexico city everybody's very man manly and like i told him from day one i was like if you did something wrong like go serve go serve your time and, and like get out but if you can get out by the time alice is like five or six like she right. won't even she won't even know like and i was like pushing for that as opposed to what he wanted which was trying to help him stay out of getting in which I'm like you're not going to get away with whatever you're trying to get away with you know like I and I was not mm -hmm. I guess may, maybe if you compliant. were I think yeah I wasn't compliant and I was also he, because he never told me he never explained but, anything but, to me was he very uh, excited about the birth of your child and very so excited every did he evolve himself did he change the diapers did he stay up late did he put no you know, no no he was not in that sense involved you know he didn't do the diaper changing he he slept like a rock um couldn't hear anything he never woke up with the crying um he you know at looking back on it um now and being more educated in like mental 
wellness and all that stuff and mental illness, um, I can I can definitely think and say for certainty that I think that there was some like borderline personality disorder with him. Um, there was different sides of him. You never knew which side you were going to get. He was very, some days he was a family guy. Some days he was great. And other days he was out with girls, didn't care how I felt, driving around in, in fast cars and yachts and planes and all of that. So I, I never knew if it was the money or if it was him. I, I couldn't, and I couldn't tell because I was like, all this sort of started when the, the money came. But at the same time, the indictment happened at the exact same time. So I'll never know if it was because of the skeletons coming out or if it was the money that that played a big. Well, no matter what, it's a character defect that he has, and you, yeah, you display it. You know, not everybody shows their their cards at first, or even they can sort of hide some. And also, you could be in denial. You, mm -hmm. you look yeah. back. Oh shit! Yeah, that was. I understand it. I've done that. Exactly. Yeah, when you're going through trauma, I think denial is a huge thing. And we become master compartmentalizers just to be able to go day to day, especially when you're a mom, yeah. and you're a young baby, and you're just like, fuck, this is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. And I, and I remember getting to a point where I, where I was at, and I thank God, I, even being as young as I was, I was self-aware enough to know this isn't normal. Like, this is not normal. My life, this, this, everything that's happening right now is not normal. I need to go talk to someone. I need to go make sure my head's okay. Cause the last thing I want is to be walking around acting like I'm fine. And then everyone's like, that girl's fucking crazy. You know, like she's lost her mind or whatever that could be. So I was, I did, you know, I was seeing a therapist regularly and a psychiatrist regularly. And, and they put me on a bunch of I, I think I, I hit like I scored like a 28 out of 30 on the anxiety depression scale. Um, I was also diagnosed with um, battered woman syndrome, which I think is is very common with women in, in abusive marriages or any sort of relationship where you just kind of uh, blame yourself a lot. And you can, and I and I and I will say I was very lucky in the sense that because of the indictment, all of the cash was in my account so mm -hmm. i was able to afford to pay for a divorce you wow. know and i think that that is like so crucial to the story because most women can't leave or most men women whatever the case they have nothing they have nothing they're, they're they're given they're given a little allowance mm -hmm. maybe weekly or a credit card you get an american express but you have no idea how much money your, your husband or wife has Right. And, and I'm that, assuming when he's indicted, everything's frozen that's in his name. No, no, sure. because the indictment, um, the money that we had had nothing to do with his indictment. The money that we have was from his medical marijuana company okay. that he started. Sometimes, sometimes they freeze all the money. They're like, well, we're going to freeze just in all case. Accounts just to see what we got. Yeah, I think that would have been the case if if the um but if the business in question for the indictment was still in existence but it wasn't at this point yeah. it had been already it was the statute of limitations had gone up it had been seven years i believe how long did it take you to from the time you filed for divorce how long did it take you to get divorced get divorced and um and then once you signed the contract with cps like you know 
was everything okay? Like, were you able to? Yeah, well, that safety plan really kept me in check. It kept me from um, doing the thing. I I remember specifically being, um, it's a crazy story, but uh, when, when I had the restraining order, he had been, I know that we were not supposed to be in contact because of the restraining order, but he he had been telling me over text message that he was going to be going to rehab and me thinking, Oh God, maybe that this, maybe there's a way he's going to come around and be a good guy. I wanted to be supportive of that. So I, I made the text short and sweet and like, I'm happy. Thank you. And I remember there being two specific times where he would call and FaceTime and he, he would be up against a white wall He'd be talking about his roommates and this rehab that he was in, in, he said, Malibu. And um, I remember him talking about the roommates. I remember him talking about what he did that day. And I remember him saying, I'm not going to have my phone for a couple of days. We're doing some sort of group therapy thing. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And mind you, this I had a restraining order. So I was breaking my own restraining order, which is why I lost it. Um, but that's that, I'll get to that later. But while I was at work, I got a phone call from, I'll never forget it, from RV Solutions in San Diego. And uh, they called me and they were like, we were looking for your husband. And I was like, he's not in town. He's he's in LA. And they're like, oh, he just left our store. And I was like, why was he at your store? And what is your store? And they're like, we sell RVs. And I was like, okay, I don't understand why. I think you have the wrong guy. And then they're like, no, no, no. We looked you up. We found your salon blow pop dry bar. We're calling you. We're just looking for him because he forgot to sign this paperwork. We need him to come back. And I was like, you have the wrong guy. And I was like, he said he was on his way to Burning Man. And I was like, you have the wrong guy. Hi, hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My husband's in LA. I didn't want to say rehab, but, uh, and then I was like, can you send me a picture of, of the license? And I, and actually I knew that the, what, when they sent it and it was him. And I was like, well, you do realize that this is not a driver's license. Cause when you're indicted, they take away your driver's license. They take away your passport. So he had an, a real ID. And I was like, so you just sold $150,000 RV to a guy with a no driver's license and he's indicted. Like, and I told the people at the RV solution <laughs> and then they're just, they're just like, bye-bye, you know? And, and, and then I, I found out I had to hire PI and fo- I found out he was never in rehab. He was at Burning Man. 
he was at a our beach condo less than a mile from our house for the last month uh with a escort from las vegas living with him and yes his parents were there too oh my god and i found and i found all this watching video with from this pi that i hired to follow him for because i was like where is he if he's not in rehab yeah RV solutions and even the business when you said it i was like that sounds like an rv place but i'm sure it's not i'm sure RV me too i thought it was something else i thought it was like protective services calling and saying we know you've been texting you're fucked yeah no, that's how i found out he wasn't in rehab was like he bought an rv to go to burning man of all places the faking that he was in rehab the faking up against the wall talking yeah. about his roommate yes. I mean this is high level high functioning con artist yes and i couldn't do anything because i had this safety plan that i couldn't break you know, I couldn't go. I wanted so badly to go march into the, our beach condo and be like, what the fuck's going on? Like, who is right. this bitch and who? Like, why are your parents here? You have to stay home and stay out of it. Yeah. I had to took every ounce of strength wow. to stay strong and not react to these things that he was doing. And after that, it was just a snowball effect of him doing similar things to try to get me to do yeah. something crazy which I thank God was able to not do because planting uh, drugs in your car, mm -hmm. like a, a, a brick of cocaine or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think the great thing is the guy you had following you to see if he was having somebody follow you mm -hmm. told, uh, told you, yeah, don't go. <laughs> there's something in your car. Yeah, they, yeah they said, they said, um, so yeah, the story is, since I had all the bank accounts, I had the house in my name. I had the cars in my name. Um, the PI told me that they had seen him drinking and driving really bad uh, with with one of the cars that was registered in my name. He wasn't even a registered driver. And so I uh, had the spare key. And I was like, I'm going to go pick up the uh, the car from you because I can't have you driving around in a car drunk, acting like this. That's technically registered in my name. So um, I had somebody follow me to go pick up the car. And actually, no, I'm sorry. I had somebody watching the car to go find the car so I could find out where it was. It turns out it was just at, at our beach condo. And so I had my house manager, Ramon, at the time, drive me in his truck to go pick up the car. And then as we're driving, the PIs like Krista, we just want to let you know somebody's watching the car and somebody just put something in the car. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're PIs. We all know each other here in San Diego. <laughs> and apparently there was a one PI over here watching the car and then my PI over here letting me know what was going on. Wow. And I was like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And then they're like, well, we can, I was like, what if I have Ramon block that PI with his car while I take that car and drive it the opposite direction and I'll just take the back roads home instead of doing the normal route home. It was less than a mile. And so that's what I did. And I got the car into the, and, as, and the PI told me that as soon as they realized that the car was gone, they took off and they were like, what the fuck? How did it, how did the car disappear? Cause Ramon, Ramon blocked them. And, uh, and then I get the car into the 
my garage, I closed the garage. My girlfriend, Natalie is with me at the time. We're like, all right, let's figure out where, what, what, what's in the car, you know? Cause, and it looked like the car had been detailed, super, super clean. And all that was in the back seat compartment was this, it, I'm not going to say it uh, like a, it wasn't a brick brick, but I mean, it could be a brick, but it was like a white substance powder package like that in the, in the glove compartment. And the first thing we did was stick our long nails in it. And we're like, what is this? <laughs> and then both of our tongues went numb. We're like, oh my God, it's drugs. <laughs> we both were like what do we do what do we do and uh I was like I guess I have to call the police I don't know I mean so oh, I, you're I, like shit I'm like what do I do because I, I got it made me so mad I'm like he wanted to get me pulled over with this shit in the car that's why he had somebody watching the car mm-hmm. and and it blew my mind because then I would have gone to prison for way longer than him like way way longer for the amount of or the amount of cocaine that was in the car and I called the police and thank god it was the same guy who came to the house the night that um he was arrested because I guess La Jolla has only a, a certain amount of men to send uh and I was like I don't know what to do there's all this coke in the car and he's like technically it's your coke because it's your car <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> and then I was like but you know it's not mine I wouldn't have called the cops on myself yeah <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get you guys to put this in like I want I want you guys to document this so I can yeah. use go put it in your drug closet like you yeah, guys have I, I thought that they were going to give me some sort of documentation so that I could use it in court yeah, I'm signing but, this brick of drugs over to yeah, you yeah but but I had it on video so that was good enough because the yeah. PR had it on video say we should consider selling it didn't your friends? Oh, say- my, I mean, are you kidding me? All my guy friends were like, you're so stupid. We could have sold that. And I'm like, oh, you guys, I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to-, to not lose my yeah, fucking child. Yeah, I'm trying to do the right thing here. <laughs> okay. So you're divorced. You get to keep the house because it was in your name, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're divorced for almost less than a year. And then we, everyone that knows you, we all find out one morning, like what, what happened? Um, so it was three weeks before he was supposed to turn himself in first to serve his time. He was going to do seven years and, um, three weeks before he did it, it he died. I'm going to say that for me was not surprising because he had told me several times like, I'm never going to spend a day in prison. I will either fake my death or I will kill myself before I spend one day in prison. And and I and I believe that to be true because he couldn't in therapy, he couldn't even do, he couldn't look at himself in the mirror, which was one of the things that the therapist asked him to do. He couldn't look at himself in the mirror. So I don't think he could have handled being alone, sober with his thoughts of what had he, everything that he had done. And he gained like a hundred pounds or something. He did, he? yeah. So he looked different. I, totally. I just by, by I was looking through, and so he's out driving his Lambo or whatever. And he's got mm-hmm. Miss uh, Miss Mexico, Miss Mexico in the car, <laughs> and he driving past down to down by the uh, uh, I forget which thing it is. Yeah, yeah, he hit uh, the mo- this like it's like an anchor monument thing. Um, she let herself out of the car before it crashed. 
which I will say there was an incident like when he did that with me where he was acting like he was going to drive us off the cliff once and he was acting very erratic and I had to calm him down and I thought to myself I need to let myself out of the car because he's going to kill us so I I can only imagine and I do know what that girl was going through at that time because I went through it too um and letting yourself out of the car is probably the best option um I think the thing that is like what we've all been wondering is whether or not he faked it or not and I only say that because his dad and and I don't even care at this point if if I talk about it because I've stayed quiet for so so long I saw pictures of the crash Mm -hmm. and was there not his uh, body in there so that that's that's to be I spoke to a firefighter who said there was no body but then his dad said that there was and his dad was in charge of all the funeral arrangements identifying the body his dad is an ex-cop his his dad's an ex-cop and uh his dad I have been in probate with for seven years now and I've gotten to know his dad and I've gotten to know what what his dad is capable of and his family is capable of and um after this is the worst part about after the death is that now I'm considered the ex-wife so I was not able to get access to a lot of things that I wish I could have gotten access to like identifying the body or um uh when I was going through his financials after he died I saw that he had chartered a G6 to take him to Switzerland the night that he died and I wanted to find out if he was on that plane it was the same night that he died and um and he actually got his passport back from the government to go to Switzerland and I found the documents for that too and um I they were like no sorry we can't give you that information like you're no longer married and so I was like god okay and so then it became this uh and then I'm still going through family I was actually supposed to see him in family court the week that he died and then I was already in probate court that same week so I had to go and retain a whole new set of attorneys for probate um and they they it, it was just it's it still is it's still such a nightmare I can't tell what's worse family court or probate court I, I really don't uh, know what's worse. yeah okay so the young woman did not die in the wreck she the didn't die in the wreck she let herself out of the car and she died uh in the hospital like about a week later from internal bleeding so uh, she got out of the car after they they smashed or she got out of the car before impact right. before the car crashed so i have different theories i mean i'm not going to go around like chasing ghosts though so for the sake of probate like i'm going to stick to um him being dead yes because they're yeah. also all this is for no reason but there's a lot of questionable things that have happened and uh the yacht for example he, yeah I was looking for his yacht because I wanted to see if I could sell it to help pay for these attorneys that I now needed to hire to represent our daughter because now I'm the ex-wife I can't go in there myself anymore it's it's now somebody needs to be representing Alice which turned out to be I don't know how I mean it's so fucked up because we weren't divorced very long and had we stayed married I would have never had to go through, through this probate 
right. at all. Um, but because Alice is underage, it's like me having to once again defend my character, defend all this stuff, you defend myself against his parents who are saying like that I'm a gold digger and that I'm uh, that they that I, they wanted me to even do a paternity test. And I was like, you guys are disgusting. Yeah. Like disgusting and, and, people. And you're, really, you're really protecting your daughter. I mean, yeah. all of it. That's why you should have been given the information about his body or whatever. We weren't because, even invited to the funeral. Yeah. yeah. We were not well. invited to the funeral. And then uh, I was looking for the yacht and, and I called his parents and I asked them where it was. And they're like, we think that he sold it. And I was like, well, I saw him have a party on it, like not too long ago. I don't think he sold it. They're like, no, well, you know, if we find it, we'll let you know. And I'd been asking them if they could help me in any way, because I didn't want to have to sell my house to pay for these attorneys. But that's what ended up happening. I had to sell the house to pay for these attorneys. And, um, and then I found out six months, or actually, this, I can tell you exactly the day, because I was telling you Tom at the party. Um, on the news on uh, September, let's look at my voicemails. On the news, September 5th, 2018, Michael called me. Um, he died November 5th, 2017. And if you look at the headlines and you look it up, there was a shooting aboard his yacht on November 4th, 2018, and it said one body, what one person was killed. It didn't say who. So my first reaction was, oh my God, it's one of his parents that died. And that was my first reaction. I didn't think it was the guy, the repo guy or whoever. I, I've heard it was a the repo guy. It's in the news. It was the repo guy that the dad killed. I heard that it was the repo guy. His dad is claiming it was an intruder. And that it was self-defense because his dad shot and killed him four times in the face. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael called me that same night. And I feel like Michael was calling me to find out if his parents were still alive, which goes back to the, the my, is he alive? Is he, you know what I mean? Right. Because we had this discussion when you first told me that you got a call from his oh, phone. Oh, I was, when I saw my phone ringing with his name on it, I was like, and it, I was already scared because of the, the shooting being on the news yeah. that day. Um, I was already scared and the phone call happened at 1 a.m. So it's like scary at that time. And mm -hmm. I and I didn't answer the phone because I, I was like, Are, what, how is he calling me, you know? And he, the voicemail is just kind of, you just hear kind of breathing. There's nothing there. Um, but uh, there's just, I feel like there's just too many, too many coincidences yeah. for me to fully believe that he's gone. But for I, the sake of probate you, and for the sake of everything that I've gone through, I have to stick to the story. <laughs> You showed me your phone with the call the still incoming call is still listed on your phone after mm -hmm. yeah i saved it it's a very uh you know there's a possibility that his parents had his phone or somebody else and but it's all nefarious i want to say there's something there's a yeah. bigger story about this but, but my question is why wouldn't his parents do everything they could to assist you so they could have a granddaughter or his, uh, did he have other, that seems like it might have been his only child, his only connection to them. 
they should have been like, what can we do for you to yeah. make sure that that's what that's what I think any normal grandparent would do. And that's what I thought they were going to do. Um, I found out through the seven years of probate that they are nothing like normal grandparents and they really do believe that they are entitled to everything and anything that he made um we've been we did a trial i we won the trial they appealed it again like they won't stop they're, they're they have a convinced in their minds that that they're entitled to things over our daughter which is not the law and as the i am the um I am the guardian of her estate and it is my fiduciary duty to go after anything that she is entitled to or else I could lose my position. So it's not that I want to be in probate fighting like this, but it's I don't have a choice because if I give up, anybody can come in and say, hey, she's doing a bad job as guardian. I want to take her spot. So I'm stuck in this position of continuously trying to fight for what is hers. But through the last seven years, all this has gone to attorneys and it's been uh, a nightmare. And I'm not even sure if she's going to end up with anything, if I'm going to be quite honest with you, because. Pressing, it's overwhelming and you're you're bearing the whole brunt of it. And even when you share it, uh, you know, it's triggering things in me. Is that it, you know, it is. And I think the hope is that mine certainly uh, that you that you. Uh, what you need to do is write a movie or get a movie to, have to get it off and then well, I, want that to, I mean I you yeah. know it's Tom you need to hook her up with Evan Wright oh, I will I will I think it's a great idea then you can put it to bed then you can say yeah it's like having a divorce party except you're doing a movie about your life you're like right. okay I'm onward and upward yeah. and uh do you yeah, date yeah. Are, are you dating anybody? Have you got to? I've, I've, you... Tr I've tried. I've tried. Uh, it's really hard, though, when you have a kid with you 100% of the time and no no help because, you know. Well, that's we're... one of the things I feel like that comes from this. It's like a lot of people struggle is the co-parenting, but that co-parenting was taken from you when he passed away. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, I'm always envious of, of people who get to co-parent. I'm like, wow, you get 50% time to yourself. I can't even imagine. Like, you're so lucky. So, you know, the grass is always greener. Even though he's gone, it's left you with a whole nother slew of problems and heartache and things that are not easy to. And it doesn't even feel like he's gone. He's, yeah. he's very present in my life because he's, we talk about him still in court. We, I'm in charge of all of his businesses and yeah, now Alice's. Here's the thing though, you got this life. This is your one life and your, and your daughter's got this one life and you have this one life together and uh, you, you got to get a situation where there isn't a, a pall over your happiness or your joy because again your kid will feel that you're mm -hmm. you know, gotta i mean i put out try to i put every day i put say i gotta be in a good mood when the kids here no matter why i gotta fake it and sometimes it works pretty well because because yeah. it's no trauma and, and they're very sensitive you don't want your daughter to have to deal with, with anxiety yeah. depression from a generational trauma thing and so you know you got to your goal, obviously, is to be happy and uh, uh, how whatever that is, whatever happy is, you know. It, yeah. it, it, and I, you know, it, and it does take a toll on you because it's I, and my daughter, she's 11 now. She still to this day does not know that we were ever even got divorced. 
I mean, I will say one of the pluses of the, your spouse dying or the, the other parent dying is that you can kind of, you can create whatever you want to create as far as, like, I tell her all the lies all the time about how great of a guy he was, like, you know, and I'm like, oh, dad loved, was always there, and daddy was with you, and like, and I'd say these things, because I want her to feel like she had a father that was present, um, so that she doesn't have more issues than, than what, yeah. you know, and I will say, this and, happened. and Monica, you know, you know, Alice really well, like, I, I don't think anybody could, meet her and say oh you know she she's got issues or something happened. never never she's so well adjusted you can tell she's loved she's a happy child and I really do think as horrible as everything is like her guardian angels or whatever like this happened to give her a better life Mm -hmm. And it's just on you and maybe this is your dharma or whatever your life's journey is yeah. to, <laughs> to fight for this good soul yeah. and also learn your, for yourself in the process. And, you know, maybe there's, I'm sure there's tons of lessons you've learned that, you know, that young, naive 20 something that didn't know it made you grow up fast, real fast. And, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm turning 37 next week. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, all this had happened before I turned even 30. So the amount of life experience that was thrown on to me at such a young age, I, you know, I guess for, it could have taken a different, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the head on my shoulders. And I guess I have my parents to thank for that. So there's a lot of things that you may have ended up having to deal with that yeah. were not taken out of your hands. And I guess you call them that would be blessings that you, you know, you're there, you got, you can make up your own story about your ex. You could just for your daughter's sake, you want to, you know, because it could have been just years and years of more complications. Oh my gosh. If, if, yeah, if he were alive and I was still going through what we were going through with the trying to frame me with drugs and the following and that was. He would have put his daughter in danger. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because of his behavior, and uh, and because he he did it to uh, uh, make her first and go okay, I'm gonna go to rehab. I'm gonna for my daughter, not for you. Mm -hmm. I'm going for myself. Uh, he obviously was in a place uh, uh, mentally and emotionally where he would have definitely put her in danger. In fact, mm -hmm. he did put her in danger. He did uh, yeah. behavior, and what he did to you. So mm -hmm. you dip that was dipped in the in the bud, and it's great you don't have to deal with his parents. Because they're assholes. You yeah. know, you're, you're a good person. If they would have pretended to try and stuff, you would have had to still be involved with them, but fuck them. So, you know, you're, you're in a good spot. Let me ask this. Do you have your own business? Where do you work? Or do you work in a, a, a spa, a salon? What do, you, what do you do? I mean, I used to. I used to own hair salons in, in San Diego, La Jolla, which I love doing. I, and I owned them by myself. So it was me owning and operating. Um, I was, I was in charge of 30 people, 30 people's lives, which is a lot, you know, a lot. It was crazy how much they would come into me and tell me their problems. I'm like, oh my God, now I have your problems on top of my problems. Um, but, but it was fun. And, and I think moving, I took this, this chance to move to LA to give me this fresh start, um, to, cause I think that's when something like this happens, you got to, you got to you got to move, you got to get out of there. Like, I don't really think there's a way to rebuild in the same place. So um, 
it's just been four years since we've been here. So I'm still trying to figure out what's the next thing for me. Um, it's been nice not having to work because I've been in the probate world and now I'm, I'm supervising. I'm on the board now of, of my late husband's uh, businesses. So overseeing all that and getting a quick education as to how to run a public company and, and all these things that I've had to to endure over these last few years. Um, so I really don't have time to 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 go focus on what I love and, and go create another business that I love. I invest in things that that I enjoy, like the bourbon room is one of my investments. Um the bourbon room. Yeah. That's where I do comedy. Yes, that's where you do comedy. Oh gosh, I love yeah, that. I'm one of, yeah, I want to do original such a cool venue. Yeah, so I'm one of the original investors. I think I'm going to have my birthday party there next yeah. Friday. So I want you guys to come. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just trying. I'm trying to find my main focus is making sure Alice is happy, and and she wants to be an actor. So what better place to be than here? So getting her going with all that is is right now what we're focused on, and just. I it's as sad as it sounds it's just still I'm still in survival yeah. mode but I but I, I need you to to just kind of do an outline of the beats of your story and then you and I'll get together and we'll talk about getting a real writer on there mm. because that's a you know I mean your story is is uh it's insane and like I'm not and I'm leaving out so much you know because we only have so much time but yeah. like but, if not a movie this is a few seasons of a really good show mm -hmm. And I, and it and I've even had the judges say like who's writing the script for this movie like I've had judges say that before you I love know a judge with a sense of humor, um well so today where you are today I know like I've known you and I think you really do deserve some love a lot of love in your life and um but I but I think you know can you say speak on like you know your your trust issues still with men or relationships in general yeah I mean it's it's scary to think that you marry someone that that you actually in the end don't know at all like that and that to me and I've always tried to protect myself by saying how oh, well how can I avoid this ever happening to me again and well I guess I mean not being in a relationship ever again but I and that's something I'm working on and and I know I need something I need to to get over, but I also think uh, with the right person, they're going to be able to recognize those things in me and and be more patient with me. And 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 you know, I feel like there's going to be a balance when I meet the right person. I, I hasn't happened yet. I understand completely what what you're talking about. Being married to someone that you just don't know, and going back and saying, "Well, what was my part? Why was I naive? What was I doing?" That, that made this happen because this person has always been this person mm -hmm. who it turns out to be. So mm -hmm. what was it about me? You know, you were very young. There's that's a people that are young and don't have, you know, a, a lot of worldly experience, a lot of, you know, they we all make mistakes. Sometimes we get lucky and get with someone that's that uh, that's a good person. But uh, sometimes we don't. And, you know, there's also men out there that have gone through similar things as you. And yeah. you know, I just feel like you could you could really bond with, with, with someone who's kind of went through the same thing or they're nervous, they don't want to, yeah. they're afraid. And I think somebody like that would be great 
I also feel like you can really, I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I feel like you can really help a lot of people, whether somewhere down the line, there's some public for you to help young girls, you know, because I mean, you've been wrapped up in this somehow and gone to jail yourself. I mean, you just never know. And I've always thought that too, just um, with the way that it all kind of worked out when I first moved to LA to then Jeff being, you know, Jeff Lewis is one of our mutual best friends and him saying, you know, come on to my radio show, something I've never done, zero experience. Nobody told me what I was getting myself into. And then I was, I wish that I had known what I was getting myself into because now I can approach it differently because I'm like, wait a second. I have all this life experience and I have all these, these things that I can talk about. Like maybe I am where I am supposed to be because I'm, I am supposed to talk about it. And I've always been shy about this certain subject because of wanting to protect my daughter and her father and the, the trying to, even though I can't change what's on the internet, I always just felt really guilty saying anything about him. But I think it's just gotten to the point now where it's, I'm like, you know what? It's been seven years. She's older. She's going to find out about it soon. Uh, I think that back when you had your business, your salons, uh, uh, you, the 30 people that work for you would come to you and talk about their problems. Mm -hmm. I think this is on a bigger scale because you're the kind of person that people go, I, I, she'll understand whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it would be super powerful to for you to be the, that person, the voice, the yeah. and you do it on a big scale, and uh, because you you share so honestly, so yeah, and and with, with that, you know, this weekend I go down to Florida to, to do this uh, mental health, uh, chemical abuse uh, fundraiser to and share my story, and there's nothing more satisfying to me to any of us than sharing the truth about your story, which would be humiliating for regular people. But then see other people go, oh, no, that's me. I, mm -hmm. I need help. So you you don't bond with everybody. You don't yeah. connect with everybody, but people you connect with really need you. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, actually, I, I know, Monica, you, you had spoken to me over the summer about coming on, and I was hesitant. And then when I met Tom, I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's like I'm gonna talk about it because it is. I you never know who might who might be going through it and and needs to see that there is. Hey, I made out. I'm okay. I'm on the You're other on side. the other side, still going side. through the shit, but on yeah, the other still side. Going through it, but now it's no longer consuming my life, and I'm you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and there's a lot more life to live, and and if this all happened and just at such a young age and I'm still so young I can only imagine hopefully it's calmer waters moving forward <laughs> yeah well it's funny because one night I asked Krista I was like have you ever has he ever come to you in a dream since he died and you were like yeah you know we kind of made peace with it and and he kind of didn't you say he, you just felt like he he knew that you were there to take you were taking care of Alice and that was what was most important but that was also when I had COVID and I was hallucinating. <laughs> I no. remember, and I told you, I told, I told you he lost weight. <laughs> Listen, you've got to forgive yourself. What yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely do. I definitely forgive him, and I, I forgive him too. No, no victim over here. I hate the, I hate people who have that victim mentality. Right. I'm like, right. 
But see, that's why you talk to them. When people feel, women feel like they're victims, you taught, you said, well, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do about that. And you share what mm -hmm. you've done. Or dealing with parents or whatever kind of bullshit. Yeah, and I really feel like having a child is what what makes the difference between people who have a victim mentality and the people who feel like I'm going to be a survivor and victor over this. And I think that when you have a child, like I, I can only imagine if I didn't have a child, I would be a lot more selfish and probably be like, whoa, is me? Why is this happening to me? Look, t telling everyone, like, look what happened to me. And who knows, you may have still been with him, you know, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, she saved you and you saved her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I had to be strong and I had to be a good example for her because I don't want her to be affected by any of this. But there's also a lot of women and men that don't realize what you're saying. And they're like, whoa, is me. She's a bit in front of the kid. Like she, he's a crazy person. He says he's a bit, I don't, that, which they don't get. That's horrible for the kid. Terrible. You know, but he did, but people stay in it. They stay in their, you know, their home all day. Of course. And I think most parents need to remember you are responsible for a human being's childhood. Don't fuck it up. You know, they get one childhood. Yeah. And like, even though all this shit happened to me and it's okay, like it, it's not, it's, it didn't, it's not going to affect her and, and I'm going to do everything. For her generation to have less trauma than you, right. or maybe even your folks, you, you, what your the lessons you've learned, uh, you know, you want her to, to feel that and go, mm -hmm. okay, I'm empowered. <laughs> I'm going to go through the, the bullshit. Yeah. And I already, and I can already tell you when she turns 18, I can guarantee you that those disgusting grandparents of hers, of, of her dad's parents are going to come knocking and being like, we tried to have a relationship with you. Your mother, your mother wouldn't let us. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to have my 11 boxes of evidence and I'm going to inch it. And I also have gotten to the point where like, I do talk to her and I've gotten to where I couldn't even, I don't, I couldn't get a nanny. So she's had to go to court with me, but she stayed with my attorneys, uh, receptionists. And, um, she's always like, who are you going to like, why are you always in court? You know? And I'm like, well, your grandparents, <laughs> you know, like, and I would tell her and I would like, I got to the point where you have to stop lying to protect people because these people are bad and they have they don't deserve that protection like you know i'm gonna have to tell her the truth and i don't want it to be hard for her to believe i want her to be able to be like i lived through this doing a great job well thank you very very much oh well thank you guys for having me this is great it was viral it feels like therapy right Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.